Welcome, friends, to episode 28 of the Banish to the Pen podcast, the audio portion of the website Banish to the Pen, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the baron of all baseball podcasts. This week, I am excited to be joined by returning members of this podcast and vital members of the Banish to the Pen crew, Mark Sands and Simon Gutierrez. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back, guys. I'm glad to have you guys back on. Uh, We had to have you. It's been a little bit uh, since you guys have been on the air, but uh, I'm sure we're going to have a uh, very solid week to uh, what? I mean, just how do I want to say this? We got a great week to talk about here. We got the trade deadline coming up. I think Pedro Martinez is giving a Hall of Fame speech. That's got to be incredible. And, uh, you know, we're getting towards the dog days of summer here in the baseball season. So I'm glad to have you guys back. Oh, glad to be here, Ryan. Absolutely. And let's start with uh, what I forgot to start with last time and what we start with every week. And uh, I want to have you guys reintroduce yourselves to the audience. Um, Twitter handle, who you're a fan of, you know, introduce your work at uh, Banish to the Pen, what you've done. You know, just, you know, like I said, introduce yourself. So uh, let's start alphabetical order. Uh, Simon, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi guys, I'm Simon Gutierrez, a carry, occasional uh, contributor to Banish to the Pen. Uh, you'll have to disregard the two screaming babies occasionally who will make an appearance in the podcast. There's one. Uh, that was almost written, on cue. I've written about the uh, the Mariners and Rangers, did a season preview for both of those. And uh, also a big Red Sox fan, just happened to not have written anything about them with the exception of a, an article on uh, uh, Edgar, uh, no it's not Edgar. Uh, the youngster <laughs> that throws real hard. Uh, name escapes me right now, but he was uh, shelled real bad, and I broke down how it happened. Hang on a second, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, and of course, I'm blanking on the name or actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rodriguez, Rodriguez, the youngster. That's right. I remember reading the article, and I really liked it. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because uh, I watched Rodriguez a bunch before he went up to Boston when he was in Bowie and Frederick the last few years. So, um, All right, uh, kind of Mark, same question. Uh, Mark Sands, uh, I'm a Tigers fan. Uh, I've uh, actually written about the Tigers on Banish to the Pen. Uh, recently wrote a piece on Brad Osmus's, uh bad bullpen management. Uh, Russell Carlton retweeted it. It was great. Uh, <laughs> I've also, I've, I also wrote the season preview for the Houston Astros and the midseason report. And I'm really happy to be here. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you guys both back. As I said a second ago, um, I guess depending on when everybody's listening to this, we are three or four days away from the trade deadline. Looks like we've got uh, a very, very busy week coming up. So uh, I'm going to start with Mark, if I can. Uh, Sure. I know you're a Tigers fan. Uh, Tigers are having a very, and I hate the word interesting, but we're going to use it. So interesting season. I think many of us thought that – I don't want to say they were going to waltz into the playoffs. I think that's a strong way to say it. But I think we all thought they were the favorites heading in in the uh, AL Central. It hasn't been their year. Uh, first, I'd just like to hear your thoughts on, you know, the first 100 games they've played so far in the year. And, you know, then we'll, let's transition a little bit into uh, the trade deadline with them. So so you're going for the expletive warning podcast today, Ryan. Uh, no, I, the, here's the problem with the Tigers. The bullpen finally caught up with them. Uh, it's been bad for several years, but we always had one or two guys who were really reliable. And this year, Soria's been inconsistent. He was great to begin with. He was bad in June. He's been good since. Uh, Alex Wilson and Blaine Hardy have probably been our two best relievers out of the bullpen, but our manager doesn't use them in high-leverage situations. Uh, and then the starting rotation is David Price, uh, sometimes Annabelle Sanchez, and, oh, please, God, rain for three days. <laughs> So that's really been the and the problem is of course you're wasting really a, an excellent offensive year uh, top to bottom the lineups hitting JD Martinez has been just phenomenal and 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 I think Ryan when we were here in February we were talking about him thought his power numbers would stay the same but maybe his his overall production would go down and it's just been the opposite he's continued really to blossom as a hitter uh, thanks again Houston Astros fans. Uh, you know, you have uh, Jose Iglesias, a great defender, is doing a pretty good job hitting. I mean, he, you know, he's not there for his offense. He's, he's contributing some offense. A healthy Victor Martinez is hitting. But, 
you know, the problem is you got to add three pitchers in order to compete, and that's just that's not going to happen at the trade deadline. So that leads into a perfect segue into what are they going to do? They're going to sell. They're going to hold Pat. They're going to, you know, I think everybody's saying it don't doesn't think they're going to buy. But uh, what do you see them doing? I think at this point, I'm of two minds. I mean, you have nobody is nobody competing for the second wild card is all that impressive. Toronto's not great. The Rays aren't that great. Boston's not that great. Minnesota cannot possibly keep up this pace. You know, Texas isn't anything special. Baltimore is anything. So really, it's a, a mismatch of really bad teams. So so from that aspect, you think, well, maybe they should stay pat. Maybe they should keep David Price. But the problem is, you go if you do, then you go into 16 with a starting rotation of Annabelle Sanchez, the ghost of Justin Verlander, um, Shane Green, Kyle Lobstein, and Simon's kids who are screaming in the background. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 it, you know it it has the potential to be like the early 90s Tigers teams that had Tettleton and Cecil Fielder and couldn't get anybody out. So from that aspect, I think they, they need to rebuild, maybe not the classical burn-it-all-down Astros Cubs-style rebuild, but I think they need to add some pieces for 2016, kind of like what the Reds did. I mean, the Reds got, you know, the Reds just traded uh, Johnny Cueto, and they got two pretty good arms for him. You know, if the Tigers can get two major league-ready mid-rotation starters, you know what, 2016 looks a lot better. Yeah, and fills their biggest needs, so they don't have to go spend the money this offseason or free agency. Right, and and they don't have to lose the first round draft pick. I mean, it's a bad you know it's a bad farm system. That there is very guys, true. That is very true. You know, there are a couple guys that you have Stephen Moya who has huge power, but not a lot. A really slow bat. Uh, uh, you know, maybe he turns out to be like Marcus Timms, if you guys remember, was a nice fourth outfielder for the Tigers and the Yankees. Uh, Dixon Machado, if he can actually hit, might be a good middle infielder. And then we have a lot of, uh, you know, Buck Farmer, who's just had a really bad year. And I think the the clock is ticking for him just being in the bullpen, you know, being a seventh, eighth inning guy. Kyle Ryan is kind of uh, similar to Farmer. And after that, boy, it's a bad farm system. Yeah, I mean, you start talking about the guys, you know, the real uh, talentless system is in low A. It's Derek Hill and, and some of the other right. players. Um, yeah, the next... guys we draft this year are pretty uh, look look pretty promising. Uh, the guy from Tennessee is is hit the cover off the ball. His but, name's escaping me right now, but he's hit the cover Stewart off the ball. Kristen Stewart or Kristen Stewart? Yes. I'm sure I'm mistaking it with the actress's name, but, yeah, somewhere in there, Stewart. Uh, uh, he hits a lot, so that's that's a good sign for us, but, you know, that's low A. You know, double A and triple A are awfully bare. Now, I know uh, the owner, Illich, is, I don't know, 89 years old or whatever, the 87, you know, anyways. He just turned 88. Okay. I, of course, it's the number that I didn't say, <laughs> of course. Uh, is he going to let them sell? I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, really put his chips to the table many, many times. And is he going to, you know, like you were saying, the AL East is, or pardon me, and the AL in general is, Still pretty wide open. I know Cueto going to Kansas City, and we'll talk about that later, is is a big deal. Casimir to Houston as well. But it's still pretty wide open. Is he going to let him sell? I could see him saying yes to selling maybe Cespedes. I mean, if he's convinced we still we can still compete. And if you can get another starter on Cespedes, and I think you can, uh, you know, maybe he says we have to keep David Price and we just take the compensatory draft pick. Well, that's not the end of the world. If we trade Cespedes, it's still a pretty good offense. If you can get a, a number three starter, the rotation at least has three starters done. And you hope maybe uh, Justin Verlander's last start was pretty decent. You maybe hope that you can uh, you can pass Minnesota and Toronto, and I think Toronto's probably the best team. Not out of all those second wildcard contenders. Maybe you can do that, but, you know, Illich didn't get – Oh, hugely, crazily, insanely rich from making bad decisions either. Right. Um, so, all right, I guess it's time to put you on the spot here about your uh, Tigers. What, uh, 5.01 on Friday afternoon or whatever, the, you know, the minute after the deadline, 
who is traded from the Tigers and, you know, who do you think stays? Uh, I think Cespedes is going to get traded uh, for a number of reasons, including the clause in his contract that says uh, he has to be released five days after the World Series ends, which makes it very difficult to re-sign him. I think Price goes, Soria goes, I think they're all going to go. I, Rajai Davis, I think, is going to get traded. A nice complimentary player, but you know Anthony goes isn't bad in center field. I think Soria is going to stay. I don't think they're going to get enough for Soria to justify trading him. Okay, so Price, Davis, and Cespedes go. Soria stays. And uh, Alex Avila stays, yes. Okay. Those are our uh, pending free agents. I think I'm with you on that one. Uh, I think uh, the only one I might question with is Price. I think maybe they hedge their bets and just you know, try to roll with him. But otherwise, I think that's a good call. Yeah, I, I won't be weeping tears if uh, if Price stays. Right, exactly. Because, you know, we're what? Four and a half out of the wild card against an unimpressive group. Right. It would be one thing if you felt more confident or even in the next three or four days you see a few big-time deals. You know, then you might right. feel a little less uh, inclined to, uh, you know, continue to sell or, pardon me, to continue to buy and go ahead for it. So. Right, but, you know, we couldn't we, – we couldn't make any headway against the Mariners who are struggling. Uh, you know, we're not really making a lot of headway against Boston. Who's not very good right now. Uh, you know, what are we going to do when we play the Royals? Uh, probably not, not a lot at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sorry to, uh, kind of end it on that sour down note. Um, but I well, do it's think been a great run. So I can't complain. I remember when they were horrible, they were horrible. Right. They in were the, 40 uh, in and 120. 80s. Yeah. Or whatever late nineties. You know, they lost 119 games, so I'm not going to complain too much. Okay. And that's a good point. They have had a great run of success, and, and if they can rebuild and get a few pieces here at the trade deadline, they could be maybe even the favorite going into next season. So Right. Uh, okay, Simon, I'm going to tag you in. Um, you got a bunch of teams that you are, are – you're a fan of the Red Sox, as you said, and you've, you've written about Texas and Seattle – Yes, sir. I, I don't know where I, I want to kind of touch on each team with you, frankly. Um, let me start with Texas. Maybe that's um, the best place to start. Is Cole Hamels going to end up with the Rangers? Uh, it's hard to see at this point, although the, the Rangers definitely have the chips to make something like that happen. Uh, you know that Ruben Amaro is going to be asking for the, the universe uh, for Hamels. So that's kind of his par for the course uh, thus far. Uh, Hamels would fit with just about any major league club, so it'd be great for the Rangers to get somebody like that, but of course they'd have to give up quite a bit, and we're talking names like uh, Nomar Mazzara, uh, who's in uh, raking in double A, oh, I think he was just promoted to triple A, and maybe like a Jake Thompson or a Chichi uh, Gonzalez, some of the top prospects in the organization. Which would be hard to give up, but uh, you know the Mariners, uh, the sorry, the Rangers find themselves kind of in the thick of it right now, uh, just about six and a half games out, I believe, and uh, they have some some definite holes uh, on the roster uh, in terms of pitching, but they also have some guys coming back uh, who have been very good, in, in a Derek Holland who's coming back soon, and uh, Martin Perez who uh, has thrown two starts and, and done okay uh, so far, and with those two. And Giovanni Gallardo, they have a not bad rotation, but of course, somebody like Hamels would, would transform that into a a good rotation with an ace uh, if they were to get into a playoff series. But they're far enough out uh, at this point to wonder if it's a gamble worth worth taking. Uh, and, and I want to have point. you. And I want to have you build off that because you know I'm in Washington D.C. I'm a Nationals fan, so I focus. You know. The Rangers are a little bit off my radar to a certain degree, but it seems like they would be an odd fit to be buying right now. You know, Mazzara and some of the other names are at double A and just, you know, they're just about to get to the major leagues. And like you say, Darvish is going to be out all, I guess you didn't say it, but Darvish is going to be out all year. They're six and a half back. Are you surprised that they're being mentioned as a buyer? Well, you you have to look at the standings and figure that they are, uh, you know, six and a half back uh, of the West lead, but four and a half back of the wild card, uh, and they're they're in the same ballpark as teams like Detroit uh, that we talked about already, and uh, you know even a even a team like Baltimore 
and Tampa Bay. They're all kind of in that lump, uh, the group, and it really takes maybe just one major acquisition to pull away from that pack. And a guy like Cole Camels is certainly somebody that can get out there and uh, dominate right away, although there there are some concerns about how his numbers are going to translate into the, the AL when he doesn't have the pitcher, uh, you know, every time through the order to, to help him out of a jam. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't throw particularly hard. Uh, he relies on his changeup and off-speed stuff uh, to get guys out. So that has worked for him in the past, and he's, he's done fairly well against teams uh, in the American League. But there's also the question of how sustainable would that success be uh, going through some of those uh, deeper lineups uh, without the break in there. But a, a guy like Hamels at the top of your rotation makes you feel a lot better about your, your chances when you do get into a playoff series. And it's a guy that wouldn't be, you know, theoretically wouldn't be a rental. Uh, you could, you know, potentially negotiate with him. But there's also been uh, some talk on, in the Hamels camp that, that he would not care to go to certain teams. I know he has a preference for the West Coast, and I don't know if the Rangers are far enough west uh, to make him happy. I know uh, there was some talk about him in Houston, and he had he'd mentioned that he didn't, or the, the, I guess the, the prevailing thought would that, that he didn't particularly want to, to move to Texas. Um, which makes him a better fit for a team like the Angels or the Dodgers. But, uh, you know, obviously it's something that the Rangers should think about and be asking questions about. Uh, and if it's giving up a guy like Mazzara, uh, who, who could be a very good player, uh, but again, he's no guarantee. He's got the tools. He's still 19. Uh, he's young. He's a uh, little ways away still. Somebody you can dream on, but, you know, if you find yourself in the thick of it, maybe you have to take that risk. All right, well, let me uh, – I mean, we could cover Texas for a little bit, but I want to uh, cover so many topics today. What, what does Texas do this week? Uh, if I had to gamble, I'd say they, they stand pat, maybe add a, 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 maybe a lesser name uh, for the rotation. But I think they can feel pretty good with the guys they have going forward and just kind of hope that they all take a step forward collectively. But, um, you know, when you find yourself in – you're below 500. You know, you're past the All Star break, and you're you're dreaming about a possible playoff spot. Guy like John Daniels might just think, well, this this probably isn't our year. You know, Darvish is on the shelf. Maybe maybe we wait to take the big risk when we have the whole team together and we can make a, a strong push. Because when you get into the playoffs and you're facing uh, teams that have a full roster of successful players that are doing well, that are all kind of clicking. You know, there's a lot of holes in that Rangers lineup. There's people underperforming like Beltre, and you're relying on guys like Josh Hamilton who are clearly past their prime. And, you know, Mitch Moreland's been a surprise, but that's probably not sustainable success. You just wonder if they have all the pieces to, to be a series contender and to be, you know, throwing away valuable uh, chips from the farm uh, to make a run for it this year. Okay, so if you're expecting Texas to be relatively quiet, the next team I want to ask you about is, is your Red Sox. Uh, probably the other name, along with the Dodgers, that are linked with Hamels probably the most. Another tough season. Which I, find, which I find odd because that team's been just an unmitigated disaster all year. And, you know, they're 12 games out <laughs> in the East. And, and perfect. Yeah, well, well below 500. You just really wonder if they're going to be buyers at this point. I don't see it. I see them selling. Yeah, and that just I want to have you continue with that line of thinking is why are so many people linking Hamels to them right now I understand they've got a ton of prospects sure but that doesn't seem like a fit either kind of like we were saying with Texas it's uh, you know you, every time uh, you know this time of year you, you get people linking players to the Red Sox and that's probably because a lot of the writers are you know based on the East Coast and they have a, just a vested interest in making things happen in Boston because it's, it's fun and exciting but you know uh, looking at the team I don't see them adding a guy like Hamels at this point not for what he's going to going to cost he's nearly at peak value he's had a couple rough starts but he's, he's real close to peak value right now and they'd have to give up a lot for him and you look at their place in the standings you just don't see how that would be any kind of a uh, a good idea uh, with this kind of a season instead you know you look at their roster and you, you've got guys that are probably better off to sell them than to hang on to them and get some value out of guys like Mike Napoli who could help a team that's in contention uh, kind of a basher he's having a little bit of a down year but he's always got the power and um, you know some of his peripherals line up pretty good maybe just had some bad luck on balls in play uh, but you have guys like uh, like Napoli and a Koji Wahara maybe a Shane Victorino they could be additions to a, a playoff team and get the Red Sox 
some prospects back or some useful players back, you know, when they've been floundering all season. And there's just, you know, for a while there, it looked like they might sneak back into contention, but then they lost about, well, it looks like they've lost nine out of the last 10. And that just, that should, that should close the book on any, any, uh, ideas about them buying and gearing up for a playoff push in my opinion at least well and let me add before i get your predictions for this week with them as well what do you see happening with the red sox in the offseason because it looks like now they're going to have a third straight or not third three out of the last four seasons are going to end up very disappointing for the for boston two years in a row this roster is really underperformed particularly the offense it appears is sherrington going to survive is Farrell going to survive what is this what do you see the offseason looking like? I see both those guys sticking. It seems like the, the upper management really likes Ben Charrington and you know clearly likes John Farrell for what he's done. He has won a World Series with them after all. Uh, it, Sherrington has some egg on his face this year because he made some big moves and he expected to contend. And guys like Pablo Sandoval have underperformed. Hanley Ramirez has been offensively about what you could expect, but defensively it's just been a nightmare. And uh, that was clearly... That was clearly an error in, in some regards uh, on Charrington's part because he, he clearly thought that Hanley Ramirez could handle playing every day in the outfield. Otherwise, he would not have made that acquisition. And it seems like he was mistaken about that because it, Hanley has looked lost out there. Uh, there's some signs of improvement, but in Fenway uh, with the Green Monster, he's just been terrible. And it, it's been awful to watch as a Red Sox fan. So... I, I see Charrington surviving, but this might be sort of his last uh, get-out-of-jail-free card because he turned that roster over pretty good. He made some big acquisitions in Porcello and Wade Miley, and every single one of them, with the exception of Hanley's offense, ha- has underperformed dramatically, and that's why the Red Sox find themselves where they are. And the pitching has been just atrocious with guys like Porcello with you know, ERAs coming in around 4.5 and, and 5, and, and Miley – has been doing better than his, you know, his his numbers indicate. You know, his FIP, uh, fielding independent pitching, is a lot better than his ERA is, and he's pitched better of late. But he's also been shelled, and uh, you know, guys like uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who we talked about earlier, real promising rookie. He's been like a rookie ten, tends to be. You know, he's he's gone out and dominated a couple times, and then he's gone out and just gotten bombed a couple times when he couldn't find his his secondary stuff. He couldn't uh, command his pitches, and then other teams just sit on the fastball. And although he throws ninety six, if you know it's coming, you sit on the fastball. Major league hitters can hit that, and they they can adjust to that. So everything that they thought would go potentially right for them seems to have gone wrong. Uh, and Porcello's been awful. They they just wanted Porcello to be Porcello, you know, a guy that, that comes in with an ERA in the mid-threes and, and a FIP that's maybe a little lower than that, that keeps keeps the ball on the ground and, and lets the defense get the outs. Well, you know, he's done some of that, but he's been a lot worse than his uh, career numbers, uh, the numbers he's put up so far. And they invested a lot in this guy, you know. So it would be real interesting to see if, uh, you know the talk has been, oh, we're we're behind Charrington, and we're gonna we're we're happy with what he's done here. But how for how much longer is uh, is that gonna last? When when you have you make that many moves, you make a, a big splash in the off season, and then you just completely strike out or whiff on those moves. You wonder how long they're gonna forgive stuff like that. So, final question: um, What do they do this week? What what happens with the Red Sox roster? I see them uh, selling off some of the assets they do have. Uh, a guy like Mike Napoli would would be great uh, for, you know, a team like the Mariners looking for a little pop. Uh, they're relying on Logan Morrison at first base, and the Mariners are in the same conversation as the Rangers, where you wonder if they're going to buy or they're going to sell because they're you know in the middle of the pack there, and you you don't know if they they can make a push. Um, you know, there's talks of them selling on a guy like uh, Iwakuma, so you, you wonder if they would buy, but. Any team looking for a little bit of power, you know, if the Rangers decide they do want to buy, maybe they have a reunion where uh, Mike Napoli is a good fit for them because, you know, he he can play some first. He plays a pretty good first base defensively, and he could platoon with Mitch Moreland and give them some pop uh, there at the corner. And if Moreland does slip uh, and regress back to more of his recent performance, uh, Napoli is a viable option to you know to go full time there as well. So I see them moving a guy like Napoli, uh, maybe a guy like Uihara, although the team uh, has loved what he's done with the team and I'm sure would love to hang on to him, but now is the time uh, to sell. He's about 40 years old, so 
anything you're going to get out of him is going to be the next year or two, if that. So maybe you can get somebody that needs a little bullpen help, uh, give you a couple prospects. Uh, you know, just, just get something out of this lost season, I think, is, is what they're going to look for. So I see Mike Napoli, maybe Koji Oihara on different teams uh, in the next week or two. Okay. And you gave me a perfect tra- uh, segue for the final team that I got to ask you about is Seattle. Uh, once again, uh, I think a lot of teams or a lot of people had high expectations for the team. Feels like they're underperforming a little bit. Uh, what do you see from them this week? Yeah, this was a team that was supposed to win 90 games or so and, you know, be in serious contention in the AL West uh, mm-hmm. after the season they had mm-hmm. last year where, where the pitching was just stellar. Uh, they've had a lot of regression uh, on that front, and the pitching has not been great, with the exception of Felix Hernandez, who is always great. Um, but guys like some of the rookies that they relied on, like a Paxton and uh, Taiwan Walker, have just not performed uh, the way that they were expecting. So they find themselves nine and a half games out of first place, which is not a great place to be uh, around this time of year. They're four and six in their last ten games, and they don't look like serious contenders. But there has been talk of them maybe buying, maybe trying to make a push for it. They have a pretty good lineup uh, with guys like Cano, who's been terrible this year, and that's part of the reason they are where they are. But he's also been – he hasn't been feeling well. He had some kind of a stomach virus, uh, a tapeworm or something like that, a parasite, and he had a real bad acid reflux apparently, which kept him from eating properly. He was having maybe one meal a day because it was uncomfortable for him to eat. Well, he's been coming – Back of late, uh, he's been hitting the ball a lot better. He's put some real good games together, and he looks like he might be feeling a little more like himself. They've got a guy like Nelson Cruz who's hit the ball well all year. Uh, You can expect some regression from him, but but he's been playing like Nelson Cruz, like the best version of Nelson Cruz. And a guy like Seth Smith, who's done well in the outfield, probably played a little better than they expected. Brad Miller's done pretty good this year. Kyle Seager's been Kyle Seager. So the, the offense has been okay, and they bought a guy like Trumbo. So at one point, they did see themselves still you know, possibly contending. The bullpen has been terrible, and that's been a big part uh, of their lack of success. But they've got a guy in, in the closer role now, in uh, Carson Smith, who's pitched well all year. He's kind of supplanted Fernando Rodney and has been real solid and reliable. And other guys besides Rodney, like Mark Lowe, Joe Bimel, uh, some of those guys have pitched really well. So it's it's kind of been Charlie Furbush and, uh, no, uh, pardon me, uh, Danny Farquhar, uh, who's down in the minor leagues now. He and Fernando Rodney have kind of single-handedly torpedoed the entire bullpen, which is the league's best bullpen a year ago and is nowhere near that this year. So you look at the Mariners and you, you, you see the framework for some success, but you just wonder if they can get there this year. And it's, it's another team that's in such a weird position, just like the Rangers, where you, you can dream on them making a run and, and maybe sneaking in, but it's such an iffy proposition. You wonder if you want to exhaust some of your minor league resources to, to gamble on something like that. Uh, but you can, you, know, you can see them potentially buying something at first base where they've got you know, Logan Morrison and Mark Trumbo, uh, somebody at catcher. They've already brought in a, a, a guy at catcher. To, to help out with uh, Mike Zanino, who's just been terrible. He's hitting about a, uh, a buck sixty with some power, but those you know you can't you can't hit that little in the major leagues. And uh, he's been a good defensive catcher, but offensively has just not turned into the guy they thought he would be. So you know if you, if I if you put a gun to my head, I'd say the Mariners are going to sell off a couple pieces. You know they've got they've got a guy like Seth Smith, uh, uh, Hisashi Iwakuma could help out some teams. Um, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe they're feeling optimistic. You, you never know with uh, uh, Zarenchik, or I think that's how you pronounce his name, Mr. Z. Uh, he, he's been a real wild card. He's bought some strange pieces. He, he likes those big, slow power hitters, and he's he's got a, a lineup that's got several of them in it. Um, and you just you, you don't know what he's going to do. But it, you know, if you had to ask me, I would say that they sell off a piece or two, and maybe retool and hope hope they still have. Uh, a run in them next year okay gun to your head who's going who's who's out of there for seattle or do they stand pat i see them selling uh, on iwakuma he's a good piece they could get some good pieces back for him uh, he could help off a playoff team that is in contention it'd be hard for them to part with him but they've got they've got the guys behind him that, that can fill in and, and you know be perfectly good and serviceable 
And, you know, they got guys like Walker and Paxton will come back at some point who can, you know, can fill the void. But they, you know, that that's a that's a trade ship that they could probably sell uh, pretty high right now. He, he's coming back off of injury, but he's been pitching well. And he's somebody that, that would be attractive for a contending team. So I see them. I see them moving Iwakuma. And there's a decent chance he could return, too. He feels like a kind of guy that might be a Seattle, you know, returning, you know, in the offseason. Sure, some some loyalty there. You know, he's a, been good. on the West Coast. And a lot of, uh, it seems like players that, that come over from Japan, they do prefer playing on the West Coast. Maybe it's the proximity, you know, via airline uh, to, to get back and visit family or something like that. But it does seem like they, they do have kind of a preference uh, for, for those West Coast cities. So that's a possibility. Okay, sounds good. Um Next um, topic I want to discuss with you guys is the Johnny Cueto trade. Uh, I don't know if Mark or Simon, you mentioned it a little bit ago, but uh, that happened or at least became official not but a few minutes before we actually started recording. Uh, Cueto goes to Kansas City for, I think everybody who's listening to this would probably know this, but Cueto goes to Kansas City for three left-handed arms, John Lamb, Brandon Finnegan, and Cody Reed. Um, I got to say, I think Kansas City – did pretty well to get a, a starting pitcher, an ace type that they needed. But I, I think Cincinnati really did well also to get three arms. Um, I don't know which one of you guys kind of wants to start with your thoughts, but uh, let me go with Mark. Let me tag Mark in. Uh, what are your thoughts? Right. I, you know, I really like the trade for Kansas City. Uh, they get a top. They really need to. They needed to answer the Casmer trade with Houston. I think that vaulted Houston probably above them as far. Was the class of the American League. This probably puts Kansas City back in that conversation. But, you know, we were talking off air, Ryan, and you got to really like what the Reds got out of this trade. I mean, they get two pretty good mid-rotation guys. They're bringing back, uh, what's his name, the young guy, Nescalfani, the, he pitched for the Marlins last year. He's having a pretty good year. So, you know, all of a sudden you're bouncing back next year with three pretty decent starters. You know, it, it makes the Reds better for next year. I think they were kind of facing the same kind of thing that we were talking about with the Tigers with, you know, who's going to be in their rotation in 2016. Well, now they have two guys. You know, as for the Royals, Royals get ace. And, you know, you need – I hate to use the, the worst cliche in sports, but you got to have an ace in the playoffs. It, well, and, you know, it really helps kind of solidify your rotation and it gives your, you know, it, it, it gives you a guy you can count on in the playoffs and can maybe give you innings on the uh, on the off day. And, you know, that's what you get in Cueto. And well, I think more importantly, with Cueto, he gets to play in a huge ballpark with the best defense in baseball. And I think that's you're really going to see him shine in front of that defense, especially the outfield defense, which is just. They're putting up video game numbers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I want to chime in as well. I, I think Cody Reed, the, the third lefty that isn't as well-known in this deal, it, he's quite a prospect. I've scouted him a bunch the last couple of years at Wilmington, and uh, good arm. I think he might be a reliever in time. I'm not sure he's a, full, a starter, but uh, very, very strong arm, definitely a pro pitcher. So I think they got 18 years of, you know, three pro pitchers for – you know, 18 or 18, about 12 starts of Cueto. Um, and they're going nowhere. So, yeah, I think I, I like the deal for Cincinnati. I think it's a it's a kind of a wise move you want to make at the point they're at. But, boy, uh, Kansas City looks good with Cueto in the rotation. And you only need Cueto to go about six innings to then turn it over to that dynamic bullpen. Uh, yep. Simon, your thoughts? I see this as a big win for Kansas City. I think they win the trade hands down. Uh, the only downside, of course, is that Cueto's got some injury history, uh, but it's been injuries in his lower body, and his arm seems just fine. Uh, the other thing is that he's 29. He's you know, going to be a free agent at the end of the year, so you wonder if this is a, a short-term rental, and maybe that's why he came so cheaply. Because I look at the prospects going back, and I don't see anything that, that lights the world on fire. John Lamb's been putting up some good numbers this year. But he was a former top prospect that really kind of fizzled out and is kind of trying to get his stock back up where it was. Cody Reed, real young guy. You just don't know what you're going to get with him. Uh, to me, it looks like Brandon Finnegan is going to be a reliever. I, he just has no command of, of his pitches, doesn't always know where they're going. Throws real hard, and he strikes people out. But you know, over several innings, 
Uh, he's going to walk a lot of guys, put a lot of guys on the base, and get himself into a lot of trouble. So he he might be a short short inning reliever. So if that's the case, you've got you know two guys of profile as relievers. You don't know with the Cody Reed. It's too young. He's too young at this point to really know what he's going to be. But uh, you know he, he wasn't a guy with a lot of uh, helium. Uh, prior to this uh, trade, but you know somebody that has some raw stuff that you can dream on. But you know you come back with uh, one maybe starter in John Lamb and two probably relievers uh, for a frontline starter. So to me, uh, the Royals got a great deal. You know this this is like the James Shields trade, uh, with the exception of the, the extra year of control, where you've you've got a, a frontline starter that you're getting, but they didn't have to give up near as much as they gave up for Shields to get Cueto, and I think he's going to help them big time uh, going forward. And I think to that point, Simon, I think you make a great point. I, I think that Cincinnati appears to have chosen safety and proximity to the majors than perhaps ceiling in this trade. As you say, it seems like it's I, I think they're three pro arms. I think we're all I think we've all kind of said that, but like you say, Lamb's probably a four five, probably more a five. It looks like Finnegan and and Reed may be relievers, like you say. I think they got, you know, three very good pro pitchers but i don't think like you say i don't think any of them are going to necessarily come back and bite kansas city in the butt yeah you, you you like to you look at a cody reed and he's putting up some really good numbers in the very low minors so you wonder how that's going to translate but you know he does strike out a lot of guys he's got 46 strikeouts in, in 39 innings hasn't given up a lot of runs he got an era under two but we're talking you know just a, a hair above rookie league so you, you just don't know uh, how that's going to translate you know, in double A, in some against some some more experienced hitters. So, you know, I think I, I wonder if the Reds could have gotten more from from somebody else. Maybe if they wait a little longer, or maybe this was the best they could get. You know, some of these trades that we've seen recently, you you look at the return and you wonder, boy, like several years ago, that wouldn't have got you anybody, and now it's getting you frontline starters. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good point. I think we have seen a, a paradigm shift in in particularly these midseason trades you just don't see great prospects typically addison russell jumps out and i can hear everybody on the other end of this podcast screaming that but otherwise you don't see great prospects <laughs> typically going so I, I think that's some great points guys uh final question on this i i want to do a grade the trade uh give a grade for both kansas city side and cincinnati uh simon you can go first that that would work great I'm going to give Kansas City a solid A. I, I don't think they had any serious long-term plans for any of these three prospects. Uh, w you know, you don't know about Cody Reed. Maybe he would have turned into something, but you don't know at this point. A guy like John Lamb, I mean, you're talking last year, he, he had a 3.97 ERA in AAA. The year before, 6.75. The year before, he was hurt and had an ERA in the mid-fives. So, you know, he's rebuilt a, a little bit of uh, faith in him this year. He's... he's uh, Got seven, 17 starts with an ERA under three in AAA, so he looks like he's kind of figured it out. He's got more strikeouts than he does innings pitched, which is always good. He hasn't walked a ton of guys. So maybe this is a guy that's that's coming back and going to be a, a contributor for the Reds. And obviously, if you're a Reds fan, that's what you're hoping. But I think the Royals had, you know, I don't want to say given up on Lamb, but he certainly was not the uh, the player up, up until this year that they thought they were going to get out of him. So... This could be, you know, they, they might have sold him at the top of his value because maybe he regresses to, to you know, prior year's performance. So uh, A, A-plus for the Royals on this one, maybe a B for the Reds, I think. I, f I have to feel like they, they maybe could have gotten a little more. Maybe they wait another week or so, but we don't know that. Maybe this was the best they could do, but I, I give the, the edge to the Royals on this one. Uh, Mark, same question. Oh, I uh, I think I agree with the grading, and this is an A for the Royals. They got a really, really great player, one of the probably two or three best players who are available at the deadline. You know, not David Price, but really, really good. I, I think I like the return coming back to the Reds a little more than I think Simon does. I mean, Finnegan's got a nice arm. Yes, he's had some control issues. He was throwing a little better this year in the minor leagues as a starter. A little better. He, you know, he's, he's got to learn control. He's still a young guy. Was he 22, I think? Uh, you know, the other two guys are pretty good. They're, it's probably better than they would have gotten as a uh, as compensation if they let him go in free agency. And I think if you look at the Casimir trade, the return's not necessarily going to be a lot more. I think, as, as Ryan, as you mentioned, the, the trend lately has been nobody's given up big prospects at the uh, at the deadline anymore. And 
you know, Addison Russell might be a cautionary tale. You know, look at how that worked out for the A's. Uh, so I, I think I give them a B. I give the uh, the Royals a, a, a very high A, A plus. This is a great pitcher they're getting. This really puts them probably as the class of the American League. Uh, you know, pending to see what the uh, what the Houston Astros do in the next couple days. Yeah, I so think that's, that's that. I think that's a good call. I think I'm generally in agreement with you guys. I think I'm more B plus with with Cueto's side. The injury concerns uh have me you know just the injury history has me a little more cautious with him although it, it's difficult to argue when he's on the mound he's one of the best i don't know 15 to 20 starters in the game certainly um I, i'm probably a little higher on the cincinnati side than it sounds like certainly than simon is um i, I think this is a pretty standard rate for getting a guy for you know 12 starts and you can't get a compensation pick anymore i think getting three guys that are going to pitch in the major leagues it is a pretty good return, and I, I think it allows Cincinnati to not have to do a full rebuild, which I think is something that I've heard is a big problem with their ownership. And I think this trade could look really good if then they also deal Leak, Chapman, Bird, and they get you know six, seven more players in this. Then all of a sudden you could look at the whole haul, and I think it might look a bit more impressive. But uh, I think I'm going to go with a solid B plus for Kansas City, and I think a solid B for Cincinnati as well. I think this is a good deal for both sides. Real quick on Finnegan, minors this year, seven games started. He's got an ERA of five in 27 innings with uh, 6.3 walks per night. I guess I misremembered. Yeah. So, so he's got he's got some uh, he's got some developing to do still. But you look at him and you <laughs> see a guy that maybe if they do deal an Artelis Chapman. You look at Finnegan as, as possibly maybe a long-term replacement there. He's another guy that is a lefty, throws hard, can strike guys out. He just needs to harness a little bit more control, and you can see him as a, as a solid late-inning guy. Yeah, it's funny. He reminds me a lot of former Cincinnati Red uh, B.J. Ryan, very similar type pitchers, and all of a sudden Ryan got his control a little bit better, and he became a really solid reliever for four, five, six seasons. So, a little shorter. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. <laughs> Not quite going to win that fight either. B.J. Ryan was about 240, if I remember as well. But that's, <laughs> big, big dude. He was. I didn't want to mess with him in a dark alley, that's for sure. So, uh, guys, final place I want to go before we wrap up this week is I want to do a little rapid fire. I I've got five names in front of me that I think a lot of rumors have been going around that they're going to get traded. Uh, and, and I mean rapid fire. I'm going to throw out the name. Either they, you can say they stay or they get traded and where they're going to go. And um, I'll go first if you guys want me to go first. I'll go last if you want me to go last. Start it off. All right. Uh, first name. I'm going to throw out there Cole Hamels. Uh, I think Cole Hamels gets dealt, and I think he goes to the Dodgers is my pick. Um, we'll start with Simon. Why not? I say he gets moved. Uh, I like him going to the Angels. Mark, same question. I say him. I say Amaro goes overboard, asks for too much, and he goes nowhere. I think that's a better – I think there's a good chance, a better chance at that than people realize, but uh, good call. Okay, uh, Aroldis Chapman. Uh, I am going to say he goes to Washington, and maybe that's a little bit of a fanboy in me, but uh, I think he gets dealt this week begrudgingly, and I think he goes to Washington. Uh, Mark? Boy, he makes a lot of sense to Washington. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Washington. They need a clo they need another arm in the bullpen. He makes a lot of sense there. They have a nice farm system. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, I think he stays. I think he stays. I think uh, I think they could get a lot for him. But from what I've always heard is that the uh, Reds management and or uh, ownership really love Chapman, and I think. I don't feel like they want to blow up the whole roster. I think they want to move a couple pieces like a Bruce and a Cueto, but I think maybe they hold on to Chapman. Yeah, I, I think there's a, probably a 50-50 chance he stays, and I think that I think you should sell him if you're a Red, Reds or the Red fans, but uh, I, I tend to agree. I, I think there's a ha pretty solid chance he stays. Uh, next name, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I don't have a good one for this one necessarily. I think he does get dealt this week, particularly if Chapman stays which I think is a possibility. 
Uh, I'll go Kimbrel to Washington if Chapman doesn't get dealt. Otherwise, I don't have maybe, maybe up to the Dodgers. I don't know why, but uh, I'm going to go there. Uh, Kimbrel, uh, Mark, go ahead. <sighs> he makes a lot of money. Uh, I don't think I don't think they're going to be able to move him. If they do, it's going to be a package deal with one of their more uh, one of their nicer assets. Maybe they could trade Kashner and Kimbrel to. Uh, I don't know the uh, actually you know that would make a lot of sense would be Detroit for kind of a uh, a similar pa- a lesser package than the, than the Casimir package maybe somebody like Stephen Moyo who's got a got a ton of power potential and maybe a pitching prospect uh, you know Detroit's got the money to take on the Kimbrel package they need another starter that's not necessarily a buy move but you know that that's something that seems to make sense for both teams. I like that idea, actually. Simon, yeah, same question. Uh, if you're going to package him, I think you know a real interesting place would be uh, Houston. The Astros would yeah. love to have a dominant guy uh, at the end of the game. And if you package him with a Kashner or a Tyson Ross, uh, probably Kashner because he's got less control left. That's something that would be really attractive to Houston, I think, and, and they do have the pieces to make something like that happen. The, I, I like both of your guys' answers, I think, better than mine. Good answers, guys. Well done. Long uh, shot, though. I think most most likely he stays put. But but one of those one of those packages would be real interesting. I agree. Uh, we're going to stay with San Diego and Justin Upton. Uh, I'll go first. He makes so much sense to the Mets that it won't happen. Uh, I'm going to go that Upton goes to the Orioles. Um, Simon, I think uh, bouncing to you na- this time. Boy, I I got to tell you. I don't see Preller selling a whole lot because he's got so much pride and stake wrapped up in this team that he would be admitting that he screwed up uh, acquiring the players he did. So I think he's going to be real reticent to immediately sell the players he acquired, maybe more likely to sell the players that were already there when he took over. So I don't see him moving Upton. I I like Upton to uh, Houston. It makes a lot of sense for the Astros. They have Springer, who's out for another month and a half. Uh, You know, they've had some disappointing offense in the outfield. Uh, Outside of Springer, you know, they have holes at first and third. Uh, You know, they could probably, you know, they get Upton into the lineup. They move one of the outfielders, maybe uh, Rasmus to DH and put Gaddis at first base. You know, that's solving a lot of their problems. And, you know, Goodness knows they have the farm system to make that kind of trade happen. Yeah, good, good, good choice there as well. Uh, how about Ben Zobrist, guys? Uh, I'll start. I think he goes, and I think he goes to Chicago, the Cubs, maybe along with a reliever like a Tyler Clippert as well in a deal. I like that. I think that's, you know, people have been saying uh, the Mets are the, uh, the most obvious choice for Zobrist. I feel like he'd be there if that was going to happen. That'd be a great deal for the Mets, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. He'd be a be a good fit in Chicago, especially if you figure you're going to scoot Addison Russell over when you when you find a place for Starlin Castro. Yeah, I have to concur with you guys. He makes a ton of sense to the just a ton of sense to the Cubs. And, and Plus, again, you, got, another- you got the history. You got the history with Joe Madden, and uh, you know the right. familiar there. So that's yeah, that's a that's a real good possibility. I just think it makes too and, much sense. And they have a ton of prospects. Exactly right. And and they could deal some of their quote unquote second and third tier prospects and it wouldn't necessarily bite them, you know, down the line. Right. Uh final name, I'm throwing a sixth name in there. Uh how about David Price, guys? Uh he I, makes a ton of sense to the Cubs. A ton of sense to the Cubs. I mean the Cubs have the best, I think, balance of could use a guy like Price and has enough assets to make Detroit want to move off of him. I mean, he would make sense to the Yankees if the Yankees had a farm system. They don't. Nobody else needs him, really. Really needs him. I, the, the Dodgers make some sense. Uh, just, you know, if, if, if they want to match the uh, national super rotation arm for arm in the playoffs. But he makes a lot of sense to the Cubs. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Price goes to the Cubs. Simon? Boy, I, I gotta say uh, the Yankees makes a lot of sense. They're they're doing a lot better than anybody expected. That's the type of move that they have always made. Uh, he's just the kind of guy that they would target 
maybe even overpay for. So I see him uh, if he's going to move a team like the Yankees makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I'm going with it's not a dark horse by any stretch, but St. Louis. It just makes way too much sense to me. He replaces Wainwright, goes right to the top of the rotation. They've got a glue to prospects kind of at the top of their system that they could part with, and it wouldn't necessarily hurt them long term again. And wow, he would really make St. Louis very tough. You know, we talk about the Nationals and we talk about the Dodgers, but, you know, St. Louis is probably the best team. They are, at least record-wise, I believe, best team in the National League. And if you could add a price... Yep. Wow, that would be a very, very tough team. I loved the C-Shack trade. I'll never pronounce that correctly. Last week, and, and man, Price just feels like a shrewd buy that they could do. Man, I like that a lot. Well, I don't because I don't like Cardinals too much, but I, I like that a lot. So, uh, Any other names we should throw out there? No, I think we covered them. I yeah. think we covered the big names. Yeah, I tend to agree. So... Um, all right, guys, I think that's a pretty good place for us to try to wrap it up this week. Um, I'd love, once again, let's try to, same thing we opened the show with, um, your plugs, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work, and basically anything you want to share. Uh, Simon, go ahead and start, my friend. You guys can find me on Twitter at SG Gutierrez. That's S-G-G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z. That is uh, typically my work account. Uh, if you want baseball-related stuff, it's uh, Simon Gutierrez, all, all lowercase, uh, Twitter. Uh, tweet from time to time. Uh, more likely, you'll read, you read my stuff on Banished to the Pen. I try to submit uh, fairly regularly with a fairly broad uh, range of topics and teams, not just uh, Rangers, Mariners type stuff. So should be contributing more uh, in the coming months. Well, definitely you are, uh, you're doing some great work, and uh, I wanted to definitely give you a pat on the back for uh, the, your kids. They were great this episode. We never heard them, so great job. Father of the Year <laughs> yes. candidate right there. So. Yeah, their mom, their mom came home and I stuck into the bed. The air. <laughs> uh, and Mark, same thing. Say goodbye. <laughs> uh, goodbye. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at SharkMGS, uh, my old radio nickname and my initials because I'm uncreative. Uh, I write pretty much just a banish to the pen. I'm trying to do so more often. I've, uh, I've been busy, but, you know, I, I, I'm trying to do more often. And thanks again for having us, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, joining me. I thought this was a really great hour to preview uh, the trade deadline. Covered a lot of teams. I hope we look really smart in a few days when uh, – all of a sudden, these trades actually come to fruition and happen. So, but that uh, just means we're smarter than the uh, GMs if they don't. Well, we we do have a podcast, right? We must be smarter than yeah. the GMs. That's I mean, right. Just look at our W twos. We must be smarter than the guys that we're criticizing. <laughs> Almost definitely smarter than tomorrow, right? Well, that's well. a given. That's a given. That's a given. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thank you again for joining me uh, and joining it's my the show pleasure. again. And I'm sure Thanks, we'll have Ryan. you guys on, uh, you know, later this summer or sometime uh, coming up. So. Thanks again, and uh, keep cranking out some great work, guys. Bonjour. And that was episode 28 with Banished to the Pen authors Simon Gutierrez and Mark Sands. Thanks, guys, for coming on. I thought that was a really great show this week. Uh, I would also like to thank everyone involved with Banished to the Pen uh, for their hard work each and every day. I, I think we really are putting out some great content and, and a great product, and that's due to a lot of hard work from a lot of people Um both creatively in front of, you know, in the front lines and behind the scenes. So just great job, guys. Congrats. This episode is a wrap. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, at NatsGM.com on Twitter, reminding you, be nice to your fellow listeners.